The 100% Wild Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the nation's number one GPS hunting app. Download today in the Google Play and App Store. Hey everyone, welcome to a special EHD update edition of the Dury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Tim Chelsvik, seated across from Mr. Matt Drury. I am Matt Drury, and we also have Mark Drury with us today. Hi guys, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> We're excited because uh, it's one day closer to deer season, frankly. Yeah, one day closer. Um, we're all we're all anxious to pull cards and set stands if we haven't already, and uh, and we and we have an actual a very important topic to cover today, yeah. and in fact, some graphic footage to show too. Yeah, so we're diving right into it. It's this crazy video. Like we're all hearing about some EHD outbreaks, definitely in the Midwest, like Iowa, Northern Missouri. There in our areas that we hunt, we're hearing about it a lot, uh, and we want to hear from you guys and see if there's more outbreaks going all across the country. Country. But we have this crazy video, uh, and you you know some backstory on it, Tim. Give us some backstory as I hit play here. Yeah, our, our buddy Bill Cooper's son, Jason Cooper, was on the Merrimack River uh, down by Cuba and was doing a camp out on, on the, the riverside, and a, a really nice buck, a velvet buck, walked into their campsite actually through a campfire, through a, walked through a smoldering campfire, and then proceeded, to, and, and they're only probably... 15 yards from this buck and, 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 and where folks, I'm showing areas about, he was like 10 steps away from unbelievable. it. Yeah. So, so the buck is acting as though there's no one around it's walking into the river and it does get kind of graphic here, graphic nature. He just kind of walks out to his, his death here, frankly. He does. And I looked up EHD, you know, to make sure that I state this correctly. And yeah. I'll just read what I found in a quick Google search. It's a viral disease and the most common whitetail disease. It's transmitted by biting midges, commonly called noceums. And it happens every year. During the first few days, the infected deer might look and act normal or possibly show minor signs of illness. After the first week, symptoms become more apparent and can include depression, fever, swelling in the head, neck, and tongue or eyelids, difficulty breathing, loss of appetite, and the deer could lose its fear of man. Then it gets worse. Some deer develop uh, ulcers on their tongue or have thick pad on the roof of their mouth begin to erode. To make matters worse, fluid can build up in their lungs and then the lining of the rumen can scar as the symptoms worsen. Fever sets in and the deer seeks out water. That's why infected deer are usually found dead around water sources, which would explain what occurred there to uh, Bill's son, it's Jason. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking and, you know, it's rough video to watch, but it's such a rare piece. We thought we'd share it here, you know, within our Facebook page and here on, on the podcast, just so that people are aware of it. And what we'd like to know is, are you hearing about it in your area? Um, Terry's finding dead deer on his farm, Tom Ware, uh, Chris Duncan, you know, we haven't found one yet, but all around us, we have, have found them. Glenn Salo, a buddy of mine in Southern Warren County in Iowa has found a bunch of them. Yeah. It can be pockety. So we'd like to find those pockets and like for everybody to kind of tell us, are you hearing about it? Or are you seeing it uh signs of it in your area it's pretty graphic like we said but it, it's so unique i mean I, I don't know that you feel for the animal you definitely do and i don't know if anything like that's ever been quite captured before not to that degree um you yeah. see obviously as no fear of of humans you know the beginning of that clip which you listen to that definition it described what happened yep, that to the, tier, to the, the beginning tea. of the clip he walks right through a campsite you know, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, it, it's, it's shocking to see. And, and and my guess is that a lot of this has to do with the record flooding we had this year and the receding of that water and all the mud and no the, doubt. The, the midges being able to propagate in those puddles. Well, and think about how many times you, you're outside doing something, whether it's you're on your farm or you're in your backyard and you're thinking, man, the mosquitoes are really bad this year or whatever it might be. It, it And it all goes back to that really crazy spring we had, frankly. So, so yeah. many people always associate EHD with droughts. And I've noticed through the years, and Grant Woods told me this years ago, he said, the worst outbreaks are when you have a very wet spring, mm-hmm. and then it's followed by dry periods during the summer because all of those puddles uh, raise, and then as they recede, more sure. mud, more midges, which is the vector that actually spreads the disease from deer to deer, and therefore you have have much greater and, and worse outbreaks. Yeah. So we're we're in that type of year right now where we had an extremely wet spring, and then you know we dried off a little bit in the summer, and now we're still having rain, but it doesn't seem to mitigate it whatsoever. I mean, I just keep getting more and more reports of dead deer, a lot of dead bucks, big giants, you know. And I know over at at Dad's farm. It's, you know, neighbors are finding some big deer, some of the shooters they were after and, um, and, and he's smelling them and it's the brush is so thick. They haven't necessarily seen any. And he actually went and walked some of his creeks and, you know, something you really, he would never do this time of year, go walking through his farm, Mm -hmm. but he's smelling it. So it's so strong and they're seeing the buzzards overhead. He feels like he's got it there too. And he just trying to confirm it. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it's going to be worse than 12 based on all the signs he's seen mm-hmm. so far. I just want to remind folks, if you're watching on Facebook Live, you can submit questions and we will do our darndest to answer them. I do need to mention Derek McCullough is watching. He says, Tim Chelsvik looks so good. Okay, that's <laughs> Derek's got I'm bad taste. your cousin tuned in. <laughs> <laughs> Second cousin, Mark. (laughs) All right. Well, the other thing that, you know, we have a question of the day. So for those of you watching this podcast live on Facebook, you know, we do it over on the 100% or over on the Dre Outdoors YouTube channel, as well as in DeerCast, Inside DeerCast. And you can follow along anywhere podcasts are available. It's Mm -hmm. the Dre Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. We always cover a question of the day. Yeah, so so we're fortunate to have uh, Kyle, listener Kyle, submitted a question all about uh, hitting a deer in no man's land. Yeah, so the question of the day is brought to you by the new Lacrosse Navigator series. Over a hundred years of expertise culminates in those new lace-up boots that are hundred percent waterproof and one hundred percent ready to go farther and hunt longer. All right, so my question is: I had an experience this past season uh, archery hunting. I thought what I, I thought had great shot placement. Um, waited almost a half hour, maybe 35 minutes before I started tracking deer and completely lost her. No blood, no nothing. Later to be told that I hit what is called no man's land. Any way that anybody can elaborate on this for me, because I'm not finding any articles on the internet, but if anybody has any information on what this is and how to correct it or how to avoid it, I would greatly appreciate it. All right. So he's asking about no man's land. And I think, you know, we've all have heard someone say that before, especially in, yeah, especially in archery hunting and either, either weapon, any weapon, really, you just, there's an area there at the top of the deer that you kind of feel like is no man's land, right? Well, you know, everybody's no man's land definition differs as well. I've noticed that like people will say, I hit no man's land. Well, where were you? And I've heard high, I've heard dead center. I've heard back just a little bit. I've heard low. 
slow. I've heard yeah. forward. Yeah. So is there a no man's land? You know, in, in Kyle's case, I would have to see the shot to give an opinion. It's it's one of the reasons we did deer cast track this year within our within our app. Uh, but in my personal opinion, there's no such thing as a void within the body cavity of the deer if that's the definition of a no man's land. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get one down and gut it, try to find the void. That would be the first thing that I would say. So I'm going to pull up DeerCast track here, DeerCast.com and go to the DeerCast track section. And you kind of walk me through where you would, where you're talking about here. And we'll, we'll pull it up on screen for everybody at home to see. So this is DeerCast track, and and this is uh, within our app DeerCast. It's in the elite version, but if you'll go through to the vitals, Matt, you know the where yep. you peel the layer down on. Okay. You know, if you look through there and you just pass that cursor anywhere in there, you know, find the hole. That's what mm-hmm. I always say. Find the void. You know, is it possible that someone would hit high above the spine, not take the deer down, and therefore say, did I hit no man's land or did they hit in the shoulder? You can, you can track it. It wasn't following my finger there. uh, Or if you hit in the shoulder and didn't get enough penetration, didn't get into the body cavity, is that no man's land? But if you go through somewhere in the cavity from front to back, there's not many voids. And I was talking to John Engelkin about this same thing in terms of, of, you know, no man's land per se. And I think what happens in my opinion there, the difference between, say, the heart shot, the liver, and then the stomach, if you pass through that little five, six-inch area there, you can have a deer die within seconds to one that takes seven or eight hours to one that takes 20 hours in about five or six inches within the deer. And I think sometimes guys in their excitement, and I'm not saying this was the case with Kyle's because I didn't see his hit, so yeah, I don't know where he hit. You know, did they misinterpret where they hit and perhaps track too soon and therefore jump a deer that didn't leave a good blood trail for whatever reason yeah. and therefore said, well, I must have hit no man's lantern when in fact the deer might have, you know, succumbed to the injury some two or 300 yards down the trail. And that's one of the reasons we did this because tracking is often talked about, but it's never been taken in detail. So we went into our app, built 2D models, 3D models, and regardless of where you place your cursor within the app, it's going to backfill a load of videos from our library and show you hits from our past that take you into those regions. Um, and and then you'll get expert advice from John Engelkin, Bobby Culbertson, myself, Terry, on how long to wait, what blood sign you might look, what body systems were affected, what your uh, bow, what your arrow or, or bullet might have done. And it's it's really an incredible tool for the, for the guy that's out there without help and needs some help. We take you through every step of the process, regardless of the hit, regardless of the distance or height. You can go in, go into our 3D modeling, our 2D modeling, and find exactly what you might have hit in that area. I mean, DeerCast Track, to me, is revolutionary. It's probably the coolest thing we've ever done. We coupled it with our algorithm uh, to p- help people leading up to the hunt and then afterwards leading up to finding that animal. So uh, that's a long answer to Kyle's question. I would have to see his hit to know exactly what he might sure. have hit. But, um, you know, I, I I really don't believe there's a no man's land, in my opinion. I think if you're sliding an arrow or a bullet through the body cavity of a deer, you're going to affect some body system. It may take longer than other body systems, but I don't think that um, there is such a thing as, oh, I slid right through and, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm not going to affect the animal in, in one way or the other. You just changed my mind. 
<laughs> I'd always thought there was a no man's land and, and, uh, and specifically kind of just, a, just kind of between that spine. But as you look at between the spine and the rib cage, but there is no space there. There's, it's full. It's, yeah. 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 When you got one, pay attention to it. You know, I mean, the space is there for a reason. It's there to house all the organs. Sure. Right. So that's what fills that space. Yeah, so. You're right. There really is no, there is no space available. Yeah. Inside Think there. of yourself or there holes, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to hit something. You're going to hit, hit some affected area. Yeah. Do you guys want a few up to EHD updates from our Facebook live crew? Love Absolutely. that or sure. any questions. Well, I wouldn't love it, but yes, I do want to <laughs> yeah, hear Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt Hurd from Wayne County, Illinois says they've had no EHD cases Good. that he's aware of. Uh, Robert, Steve Roberts says that there that he's found at least four uh, since last Friday. Doesn't say where. Sorry, Steve. Uh, Chris Barton is over in Indiana. He said they're finding some, and uh, Brian Himes says they're finding some in Lee County, Iowa. Man, it's everywhere, and it's important to note that the vector that spreads the disease, the midge, all right, this will not stop until we hit the first frost or two. So you have to kill that vector before the disease stops spreading. That's the only way it spreads. But to stop it, we're going to be dealing with this up through frost, which in Southern Iowa, Northern Missouri, mid to late October. So oftentimes in my experience, September and October are the worst months to find them. That's what I've noticed. So was it 2011 or 2012 when you had that bad EHD outbreak? We had it in 12. We had it again in 13. And then we also had a die-off in 17 and 18. Not to the degree that we had in 12 and 13, Uh but we had a die-off. And here we are again this year in 19, experiencing it again. And it finally, just really, the herd has finally bounced back. And so it's it's disheartening to see, you know, it's going to devastate them again, potentially here. It is. It's kind of sad. We've got some questions on what you can do to to prevent EHD, but it's just... Well, it's tough. We've we've tried yeah. water soluble pucks to to kill the midge. We've sprayed around our ponds, and and we had the worst die off ever in twelve. I mean, we tried as hard as we could to to stop the midge, and we weren't overly successful with it. So, you know, you, Analogics is the best recipe for that. I mean, they have everything you could possibly imagine within their supplement gold to reduce the side effects from EHD. Mm-hmm. There are different types of EHD. There's an acute and a chronic. Okay. One of them is going to kill them within weeks, a yeah. few days. Yeah. Another one gives them uh, si- like uh, symptoms and antibodies and stuff that that affect them over the longer term. Well, they get other infections because of mm-hmm. EHD, and those are the type of things that analogic supplement gold can actually help them ward off. You know, but you have to give it to them in, in ample supply, and they have to have it within 45 days of, of contracting it. So you got to make sure it's legal within your area to be able to do so. Yeah. Have, did I hear right that it in cattle country, it's it tends to be worse? Mm-hmm. Cattle spread it. Exactly. They're a carrier of it, but they are seldom affected, but they do carry it. So those midges biting the cattle spread the disease quicker, even though they're not not affected by it. So therefore, cattle country can oftentimes be the worst for EHD. Colin Welp is is wanting to know, Mark, if you felt like EHD is a newer disease or if you've seen it over your hunting career. It's been around since I can remember. Back in the day in St. Genevieve County, wasn't it blue tongue? It was commonly referred to as blue tongue, right? Which, Which is different and can also affect the deer herd. The most common one is epizootic hemorrhagic disease, EHD. There's also hemorrhagic disease. There's also blue tongue. They all look and act very similar, but EHD is the most common one. Gotcha. Yep. So 
Nicholas Jordan is asking if this is Mother Nature's way of bringing down herd numbers. It, it can be, certainly, but I've also seen it take it to the point that they're almost unhuntable after yeah. it comes through. So it seems to be a, a little bit more than that. It's like total, it could be total devastation almost. It can be, yeah. I've yeah. seen yeah. die-offs. When, when I first bought my Iowa farm in 1997, I bought it in the, the, I looked at it in the summer of 97, closed on it in October. And by the time the next summer, they all died. Like 98 was devastating. Like it killed, I want to say 80% of my overall deer herd. And in 97, it looked like motocross trails with rubs everywhere. I was like, this is white till heaven, right? Yeah. And then the next year they were all dead by, by the season. Oh. It was a massive die off in 98. Wow. And then we were pretty clean up till about 08. We had about a 25% die off in 08. And I think we lost 50, 60, 70% in 12 and 13. And they're just coming back now. Now the silver lining to EHD, to his point, is this mother nature's way. One thing you do see following EHD out breaks. It's not all doom and gloom because you can see the herd get reduced to the point that social stress is minimized to the point that the bucks then reach a bigger and greater potential than they would have had EHD not hit. So that mm. is the silver lining. Okay. The largest bucks I've ever seen and hunted were in those years that followed EHD. Those ones that mm. survive grow up without the social stress of a lot of deer in the herd, sure. and then they get super big. You look at skyscraper, danger, bucktober, all of those follow followed EHD about three years after a major die-off. Mm, yeah. So there is a silver lining to it. That's hopeful. <laughs> well, but, it's the only silver lining I can find. Yeah. And it ta that takes a while. It does take a while. It does. Yeah. But um, Bryce wants to know, Mark, how you make your decision on when to jump down to Texas to hunt. You know, generally when things get bad here, it, it, I'm very lucky in the fact that in Texas, like during what we called the lull here in the Midwest, the middle part of October, when they're going into their October swell, I always say, they're still still coming to food sources down there in, in Texas. It's amazing. Like as soon as it gets tough here, we go to Texas and we're still into them. Uh, the same thing happens in mid-November when they lock down here. We often go to Texas during that period and we're hitting the pre-rut down there and they're moving around without does yet. So it, we are lucky in the fact that they're west of uh, Dallas about two hours. They they seem to hit the holes that I have here. They they get filled quite well down there with good movement. You get your fix <laughs> yeah. all year. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just ride the wave. White tail Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere we go, they're moving well. Here. Yeah, that's but, awesome. Yeah, works pretty well. Uh, Daniel Daves uh, mentions that he hunts on government ground here in Missouri. It looks like yeah, and has had is it feels like EHD is not as much of an issue where he's at as it is um feral hogs coming so he through. must be in southern missouri but, there. butler county is where he's at yeah it seems to be a, a really growing issue that's just heading north right it does man yeah <laughs> you know our friends down in and um at moss yoke talk about it. it and you know more specifically the last four years. Randy Birdsong is a very close friend. And every year, like four or five years ago, he's like, man, I'm starting to see hogs in my trail cameras. And then last year, he's like, they've ruined everything that I have. You yeah. know, they eat every food plot, they eat all the green, and it's become a massive problem within a very short period of time. Yeah. And it's kind of a divisive problem yeah. within the hunting and conservation communities because because for a while there, I, I know the Missouri Department of Conservation's policy was, if you see them, kill them. But they've shifted because they, through research, have 
found that when you begin hunting them, they disperse into sounders. That's what a, a group of feral pigs is called, sounders. And then they just, it's like cockroaches. They just set up camp in new places and they get harder and harder to trap. And I know the Missouri Department of Conservation is trying to habituate them to come to these large traps and they bait them for days and days. Then they get the whole sounder in one shot. We've got guys hunting them independently. They just Mm. scatter. So they're harder to to track down. Time will tell what's the most successful there. Yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of people just enjoy hunting them. Yeah. Personally, I'd let the hunters try to handle it. That would be my my thought. But, you know, who am I? I'm not a biologist. We don't have the research to back it up. Right. You're not a researcher? Well, I'm a BS. I, <laughs> I play one on TV, but that's about it. I wouldn't listen to anything I have to say. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, uh, so, HD. All right. Any DeerCast questions out there? No DeerCast questions just, just yet, but our Facebook Live folks, if you want to ask us a question about DeerCast, DeerCast Track, the new custom HD, feature. Hunting this fall, whatever, yeah. whatever this is it is. Your chance to ask Mark Drew any question you want. You know, a lot of people checking in. Mark from Indiana. Jerry Beth G hopped on. Jared. What's up, Jerry? Jared, Jared Lurk popped on. What's up, Jared? Jared. Andrew Bennett just hopped on. You know, we just had our big annual Drury Outdoors meeting here in St. Louis this past weekend. And it's always a good time because we get to see all these teams from across the country come in and they're sharing their pictures. You know, we get to kind of sneak Absolutely. peek at what might unfold yeah. this season for everybody. It's it's super exciting. So it is. It gets you. It's like as soon as you leave, you know, it's a Friday through Sunday thing. As soon as Sunday's over everybody goes right home and starts shooting their bow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I'm ready. And some, some guys are kind of guarded about what they have. You yeah. know, they're like, yeah, eh, you know, yeah I got, the, got a couple. One of the most interesting things that transpired over the, over the weekend, I was talking to Caleb Byers who hunts close to me. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned a deer that I had pictures of on a, on a new farm. And he goes, that sounds like I had a, a deer that I had pictures of in that same area. Some, like four years ago, he goes, it sounds just like him. So yeah. I sent him a trail picture of him today and he goes, that's him. He goes, there's no telling how old that deer is. So I'm going to show him to everybody just to get an idea to see how old you think this deer is. Um, it's pretty cool to see what he looks like. And Caleb said he looked just like that back in the day. Hopefully everybody can see it out there. Um, but I want everybody to tell us how old you think this old warrior is. Caleb had him three or four years ago, said he looked just like this. And then here he is still in that area and uh, still looks the same. You know, he looks like Roman candles looks or looks like candles deer. melting. We're calling him candlestick because all of his, all of his really? ties look like they're melting down. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if you can see him or not. Yeah. But yeah. Beautiful. He's crazy looking deer. Okay. Yeah. Here he is. So everybody tell us how old you think that warrior is. Wow. Mark Drury is asking us to age this deer. <laughs> Well, just out of curiosity, you know, is he eight, yeah. nine, 10, 11, 12? Matt Hurd says seven and a half. It'll be interesting if we get a chance to shoot him. We're certainly going to, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see how old he is. Andrew yeah. Bennett says that the deer looks like Terry. <laughs> well, my Call first old man yeah, inclination was you said he's just how old is he? He's getting older and older. It's just like Terry. Yeah. Exactly. How old is he? We don't George, know. George yeah. is saying seven and a half. Janet's saying nine. Irvin says nine. Jay says eight. 
More nines. There you go. Old. Yeah. Plenty old. old. Very old. I stuff. personally think he's, well, if that's the case, if he was seven, that means he'd have been three when Caleb had him and he looked just like this. So yeah, I'm not, saying not if case. he was seven or eight then, he's now 10, 11, 12, something like that yeah. would be my guess. If there's a way to see if he has an AARP card, that would be the way <laughs> yeah, to exactly. I'm betting he doesn't have any teeth. <laughs> he probably doesn't. Probably not. Yeah. So, um, so what's your first hunt of the year? Guys, where are you starting out here in Missouri? Well, Tim's glutton for punishment, no matter what temperature I, it I is. I will be out in the stand on September 15th. Yeah. And it kind of depends. All on, day? Probably not all day. It is a Sunday, though. It is a Sunday, yeah. So church in the morning okay. and then get everything Afternoon, ready. Uh, and then Priorities. Uh, Very good. Good man. Like That's right. So uh, I don't know. I still got my, my cameras out. I haven't gone to pull them yet, so I don't really know what's walking around. And I gotta Matt, do you got any big bucks in that computer you can bring I, up on screen? <laughs> None that I want to show. <laughs> I showed one of mine. Okay. <laughs> I got a wacky deer I could probably find, too. <laughs> but, Everybody's scared to death to show it, their shooters in I, case a neighbor's watching. Yeah, I have. A, I have a handful of good deer this year. So it's an interesting season for me or leading into the season. It's interesting because we had all that flood water that we talked about. Yep. And I hunt near the Mississippi river and I have a, a farm on the Mississippi. You, basically. Hunt, you hunt around the Mississippi. Yeah, I hunt around it. That's right. And then I have a piece that uh, I lease that is the hill ground, like first good hill ground, you know, that's West of the Mississippi. And last year had a tough year there. And that's why I hunted up at dad so much. And this year, year conversely it's loaded with with deer and a couple really really good ones and and a few few that actually had showed up last year so they're somewhat homeboys um but i'm excited for it and and you know the river farm the one that's on the river it was a barren wasteland you know there's no food in the river bottoms the farmers kind of really all mm-hmm. got shell shocked down there and so there's not a lot of food down there so a lot of deer are living up in the hills and we do have a decent amount of food up there so I- i'm excited the full moon i think is on the 14th of september mm-hmm. we open on the 15th so we're a couple days maybe a, a couple days shy of where i'd like to be yeah. but if we actually have a cool front go through you better believe 15 16th you know, maybe 17 could still be good in those, you know, those afternoon hunts. Be So that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'll be looking at that 10 show day us forecast. All your show us I'm not going to show you all of them, but I've I'll seen show them. you. They're nice. I'll show you one or two. I'll show you this. You showed me your wacky rack. I'll show you mine. All right, let's see. So, and he's a stud. I mean, I, I wouldn't have any. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice deer. I, I wouldn't have any issue shooting him either. I mean, he's, and I wonder, I often wonder on that deer and I, I don't know who he is, but if you gave him, if you didn't pass, if you passed him this year and you didn't you shoot him, if he'd come out of that and, and grow a normal side, he'd be uh, a, yeah. a giant the next year. No, but no. my experience has been that more often than not, they do not, they do, do not. Yeah. That mm-hmm. has been my experience. I can't think of the last one where I was like, Oh, he popped out of it. Yeah. More often than not, when they go that, way they they stay that way from what i've seen stay now not to say they can't just more often than not they don't yeah casey on facebook is i'm guessing he's a deercast elite subscriber he's asking can you customize the forecast on multiple locations on different within different states for your deercast forecast you can and that's that's a great question we deercast allows you to put in as many locations as you want um, and you can go in and actually customize our algorithm so the algorithm that has 13 different weather variables that 
on an hour by hour basis, predict what the deer movement's going to be like in your area. If you think that it is habitually too optimistic, you can tone that prediction down. If you think it is habitually too pessimistic, you can tone that up a little bit. So DeerCast Custom allows you to tweak by location and and get it exactly set to your deer herd. So the reaction to the weather variables should be by and large the same. However, if you're in a more heavily hunted area, you may want to tone our prediction down or our algorithm's prediction down just a little bit. If, however, you feel like we're a little too pessimistic, well, you can bump it up a little bit. And by toggling back and forth with the on-off switch for custom, you can turn it on and off and always compare it to what the normal algorithm is is going to say that day. Yeah, I'm taking them through it here on DeerCast. I'm showing them. All right. So right now it's turned off. So you're seeing what our, this is, this is an elite version. So you're seeing the 10 day forecast here. This is the, in my opinion, the easiest way to kind of see the color chart of DeerCast and deer movement. So I toggled the custom switch on and I'm all the way at the most uh, optimistic side. I'll go all the way down to the most pessimistic and you can kind of see how it changed that color chart and that at the easiest sense of the, you know, the, the purpose of, of this seeing it. As in terms of seeing it, that'll show you what it's doing. But, um, but and it then does allow you minor tweaks if you feel like a minor tweak is in order within all your different locations. Exactly. And then if you really want to see it in another level, this is kind of a, a, a hack to do it. You go up to the very top where your, your city and state is listed and you see that the C is highlighted there. You click on that C and it's going to take you into that location, into like your settings and you can see bad, poor, okay, good, great. Well, I'm going to move it down that slider down and you're seeing exactly what it's doing to the algorithm in this view as well. So it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty neat setup. It's pretty awesome. And, and we did that to accommodate some users last year who said, you know what? It's just consistently a little too optimistic. Yeah. I feel like my great days are really good and vice versa. We've had some people say, it's probably not optimistic enough. We're like, okay, here's our algorithm. You you tune it to your farm. So it took us a long time to get it tweaked out, but it's, it's a pretty cool option within the elite version this year. James McDonald is wondering if we have plans to add trail cam pictures by location within DeerCast at any point. It's certain, certainly something we have thrown around yeah. a great deal here within the studio. And I would say at some point you'll probably see that, but we don't have, I think, the program tweaked to the point that we're comfortable enough to, to put it out there just yet. Certainly. The, the sky's a limit in terms of what you can do mm-hmm. in technology. The sky's a <laughs> limit. Our, our developers will be the first to tell you that. Yep. Uh, but as far as what makes sense and what we can bring to the table that may be unique to our user and, and our app and, and DeerCast.com, I think we're trying to first make sure that we're presenting the absolute best thing that we can and provide a unique service to people. And we believe we have that here with DeerCast algorithm and then certainly with custom and DeerCast track and, and everything else that's inside the app. Absolutely. And there's also a line of feature fatigue. We, we don't want to have so much in there that because we all have apps that we use maybe a certain percentage of and we don't touch yeah. the other features. So we want to make sure everything is effective and no doubt for folks. And so, so that people know there's three versions to DeerCast this year. There's a free version. If you were on our trial, um, 
a membership last year. You can continue down that free path. It gives you one day's deer cast, a couple days of, of weather forecast. Then there's the pro version, which is $9.99, $9.99 a year. That gives you a five-day deer cast, gives you the full uh, Dree Outdoors DVD library, also gives you all the deer cast nows, gives you the weather and deer cast in a much more granular hour-by-hour -hour, uh, look. And then there's deer cast Elite, which offers deer cast track, deer cast custom a 10-day deer cast and of course you can look at it in an hour by our fashion of course the the deer cast nows the library all of that stuff so we've been working real hard to tweak the algorithm to get everything out there that everybody wanted last year and we feel like we've done that this yeah year. and realistically like even in the free version you know all those there's 400, 400 something articles. articles we have like 12 uh staff of 12 outdoor writers yep. that help us out there and it's some really good content and you know it's like having another you know, I don't know, deer and deer hunting or something right there at your fingertips. Not to mention our fan share. Yeah. Uh, that's different this year. Like um, last year we had a, over 18,000 submissions to DeerCast of posts and we might've shared uh 10% of those. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, that, maybe. It was usually about one a day. But this year we're opening up the, the newsfeed to the fan shares and we're vetting them of course, but it's going to be a very, uh, very, robust viewing from all of our different fans of all the different posts. Yeah. You want to see some big bucks? Oh, go to the fan share feed. It's amazing. That's what I'm doing right now. And I'm just amazed, you know, cause obviously right now, a lot of what's on people's mind are the trail cam pictures that uh -huh. they're getting this. and it's just giant after giant. It's sick. It is. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> if you want to see your neighbor's bucks, go to the fan share. Well, even <laughs> like something like this, look at this deer. What, you know, this has got some sort of weird goiter there in the bottom, you know, the bottom of his chin. Yeah. It's weird. It's, so it's, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's all kinds of big creative. bucks and strange deer maladies. There you go. Yeah. You'll find, You'll find a little bit all. of everything. Yeah. That, so. that deer needs cosmetic surgery for sure. Yeah, he does. But then as <laughs> season progresses, it's another way of kind of taking the temperature across the deer hunting community. Where are people killing? What kind right. of, what size of deer are falling? And, uh, and these things it's pretty go, awesome. These things go up pretty much the same day they're posted. I know last year people were asking, Hey, I posted this up and I don't see it, but chances are really good. If you post something in DeerCast, everyone else is going to get to see it over the fan share. And track. who knows? You might see a buck that you have on your farm that's on somebody else's. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that you just never know. Dial so. in on that guy. Bryce is asking a question about um, uh, further explanation. Uh, we're talking about deer cast features and and what it what it uh, calculates to create the deer cast. Uh, he's asking about barometric pressure and what sure. is high and what is low and what do you look for when you go to hunt? Bryce, that's a great question and it varies per phase. We broke down deer cast into 13 different phases that you'll see on our show 13 and high pressure is relative to the season. In other words, in the, in the later part of the season, if you look at December, um, I don't view pressure being very high until it gets over 30.15 or 30.2. However, in the early part of the season, if it's 29.95 or above, I'm really excited about it. So the algorithm takes into consideration what time of the year you are and what phase you're in, and then actually spits out that one turt one thirteenth of the equation puts it into the algorithm and spits out the deer cast for that day. So it's relative to the season, but the algorithm takes care of all that for you. So here in deer cast, I'll show you in the daily summary, we give you an idea of kind of what the eye point I think is the snapshot for the day. But if you dig into the hourly details, you look at that chart over in the deer cast section in the hourly, the one day for instance, and there you see the barometer it's reading 
29.92 and it's the green line there on the scale. So as you slide, you see it's, you know, 29.89. It's changing with me. It's all the way up to 30 even here. So at, you know, just little past 12 AM on a Wednesday. So that's what, that's the number as far as the chart itself, that's what you're looking for and what we're following. But a lot of times you will notice that as, as it rises or, or falls, so will our prediction in a lot of ways. Well, it's not the only factor, but it's one thirteenth of the factor. And sometimes it does that. Sometimes it doesn't. It yeah. depends on which phase you're in and how much Terry and I in, when we built the algorithm felt like it would affect it within that phase. So, you know, if you're following along here, you see it, it continues to climb. It's up, you know, towards 30.16 here uh, by Saturday morning. So it's, it's on a pattern here where it's, mm-hmm. where it's climbing. Right. Yep. Uh, we had a question about the giveaway farm and that's very good. That's something that we, you know, we talk about every now and again, but we got a lot going on and we probably should it, talk a little more about that. Funny. Cause Terry was texting Mark and I pictures just yesterday or this mm-hmm. morning or something. I think it was yesterday, yesterday evening. evening. And uh, the food plots are popping up. They planted it about 10 days ago, 10, 11 days ago. Yeah. And all that biologics popping out. Uh, Chad Kilmer went over there with an RTP groundbreaker, a little uh-huh. six foot model and a, and a 50 horsepower tractor went in there, disked it up with the front end of the groundbreaker and then lowered it down, even it out, put the seed down, cultipacked it all in one pass. And I mean, they look amazing. So I'm anxious to see what kind of pictures we get off of the 60 this fall. But to your, to your, question. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, we're getting ready to update inside the app there. You can you can go to the farm giveaway tab and you'll see uh, some updates through the season that we've put in there, trail cam pictures and all that. Well, we haven't had an update in, in maybe a month or two mm-hmm. and we're getting ready to, to, to produce a couple of videos here probably in the month of September. Uh, we stocked the ponds was one we did a I think a we had a timber guy come come through, in and assess the timber assess yeah. the timber so that's another piece that we'll be working on and then I'm sure we'll we'll be talking about the food plots and, and doing a piece on that as well so um, anytime you want to see what's going on with the farm itself you could head over to the farm giveaway tab and on deercast.com or inside the app it's all there and what we're doing this is our 30th anniversary so if you haven't already put your name in to win the farm we're giving away 60 acres in Putnam <laughs> County Missouri food plots are in stands are hung gates are are ready we just need to hand somebody the keys but you can go to deercast go down the lower right press farm giveaway and uh put your name in the hat there or put it in online at dreyoutdoors.com it's as easy as inside deercast.com you you click that tab and there's a link and these it's a name and an email address and that's all we need that's it and we need the email address so we can get a hold of you if you win we've actually had several people email us and say hey i wanted to know i didn't i haven't seen (laughs) a winner for this month yet because we're giving away monthly prizes wondering if it's me wonder if it's me (laughs) well check your emails because we do reach out and and, uh we're all over trying to get get these winners picked yeah uh josh slatten won a just this last month won a muddy penthouse blind with a 10-foot platform nice and he's over the moon he he says what pretty much every winner says is i never win anything i never really thought that i would win Hey, creating winners one month at a time here during our 30th anniversary. We just wanted to say thank you more than anything else. Our partners stepped up big time. Big time yeah. We went out, handpicked this farm. We're giving it away in December. And we just wanted to say thanks for 30 incredible years. So Absolutely. please get your name in there and, and you know try to win that farm. Yep. Caleb and Justin are both asking about historical weather. 
the, 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 the big, most the elephant in the room. Yeah, we the most requested. Yeah, and and we did explore it, uh, and it's just it's pretty cost prohibitive from the Weather Channel IBM Corp, who who we deal with for all the weather information. It, it, in my opinion, it speaks to the accuracy of the algorithm because the algorithm isn't built just for that one hour. Like the algorithm is looking backwards several days, it's looking forward yeah. several days, and all of that is part of our prediction. That's our secret sauce if you will, right? It's the recipe to Coke or the recipe to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. But but trying then to apply the algorithm to historical data got extremely expensive because you have to make so many weather calls in order to make one prediction. So yeah. unfortunately, you're, you're probably not going to see it. We tried to figure out how to make it work, but it was, at least in the short term, it's probably not something we're going to go down. We tried, but we tried, but it, it, it was it, really expensive. It yeah. didn't make sense whatsoever. I mean, you know, to get one, one, you know, one deer cast from you're, the past, you were, we're going to call it deer past, yeah. you know, and you were making so many was, hundreds of thousands of weather calls to yeah. get that. And then the, the bill got so high. It's like, well, the price of the app would be so expensive. No one would, would join it yeah. basically. Yeah. So Yep. Maybe one day it'll come down. But Maybe, but right now term. the weather data is too expensive to do it. And it does speak to the algorithm how far forward and backward it looks to give you that hour-by-hour hour prediction. That's the thing we really haven't talked about. It's a, it's a very accurate algorithm. Yep. So Deer Pass is a little too pricey for us to, to roll out. For now. You know what's not pricey? The wildlife word segment. Oh, great. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that aren't familiar with our podcast, Tim here basically creates a word. He goes and finds a word. He looks in. His <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's created. And, and then he tries to catch me on air, not knowing what it is. So are you, are you ready to not know what this one is? Uh, probably. Yes. <laughs> this week's wildlife word is crepuscular rays. You got me again, Tim. Muscular rays. <laughs> Mark, does that sound uh, familiar to you? I do, but I don't want to make Matt look bad. Ah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so, Tim, I'll let you tell Matt. Just to double check my work. Crepuscular rays are something that people are probably familiar with. They're the rays of sunlight that appear to radiate from the point in the sky where the sun is located, typically behind clouds or the tree line. It's the beautiful mm. rays kind of at the last light of day that you see or the shafts of light coming down on a cloud. The, the rays that actually make, you know, a long sit <laughs> in a tree it. stand worth it when you haven't seen anything. You They're see also the rays that shine the light on the best movement of the day, right? The first, the first little right. bit of light and the last yeah. little bit of light. Those are your rays. So yep. there you go. One of my most memorable was walking out of the woods on January 15th, which is the last day of season here in Missouri. And just, I don't know, it's kind of a weird, it's like you're waving goodbye to a good buddy when deer season ends because you've been through a lot, some great, some <laughs> not so great. You're kind of relieved that it's over, but you you know you're going to miss it. And uh, I just remember walking down this finger off of a ridge through the woods and the leaves are crunching because everything's super cold and and seeing that, that kind of soft orangey light over in the western horizon and Telling, well, telling deer you season said, goodbye. Look at those crepuscular rays. <laughs> Good news, Tim. You're about to see some more. It's Season's coming back. Coming back it's here. coming we back. We got you know a little over what two weeks, and we'll be back here in Missouri. A lot of guys start September first, and yeah, uh, yeah, some early envious. velvet seasons. Yeah. And uh, it was funny. I mentioned the moon earlier. Dad and I were talking about that, and and I said to him, I go, man, those seasons that open September first, those states. I would love to be hunting one of them because that 
full moon is hitting just right no for doubt. them. If, yep. if there's any kind of cool front that comes through, they'll be sitting pretty. The, the what, 12th through the 14th? Yep, 10th through the 14th, 10th, right through yeah. there. It's going to be really good. If it's cold, so he was well, open. Been enjoyable, guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Where are you off to first? Yeah, Alberta. Those. You know, first week of September, Alberta, and then uh, Missouri when it opens the fifteenth. So we'll go up there and see our buddy Corey Jarvis and okay. see what kind of mule deer he's got lined up and try to uh, not not make mistakes. Yeah, that's what mule deer are, is all about. Don't make any mistakes. So basically, he's telling us this is the last time we'll see him until January fifteenth. <laughs> he's we'll, about to yeah. bid farewell see, to the I'll studio. See you at AT Air Shop. Yeah, the, the editors are. <laughs> A collective sigh of relief right now. <laughs> that goes both ways. <laughs> it's mutual. So uh, so if you want to subscribe to the podcast and you haven't, you maybe you're just watching us on Facebook Live for the first time, you can do that anywhere podcasts are downloaded. All right. Until next time, we hope everybody's out there being safe and shooting their bows and getting ready for season. And uh, we'll see you later. See Thank ya. you.